You're listening to Brains On, where we're serious about being curious. That's right. Even if you've never had a broken bone, you're probably familiar with what an x-ray looks like. How would you describe it, Frankie? An image of your skeleton or the bones that some people say are hidden inside your skin. And that is the x-ray that most of us are familiar with. But that's not an actual x-ray. It's an image made by capturing x-rays. So how are these x-rays made? And how do they let us see through our bodies? And what do x-rays have to do with DNA? Or black holes? We'll find out right now. Keep listening. You're listening to Brains On from NPR News and Southern California Public Radio. I'm Molly Bloom, and here with me today is Frankie Brown Eagle from Minneapolis. Hello, Frankie. Hello. Have you ever had an x-ray image taken? Yes, of my bones and how they look. I've had x-rays taken at the dentist, and I am always amazed at how that quick pulse produces such a cool image. Like, it's just my teeth and my bones and my earrings. And I'm not the only one amazed by this. Several of our listeners have written in with questions. Like Otto. Hi, I'm Otto from Nottingham, England. My question is, how do x-rays see your bones? To understand how this works, we first have to understand what an x-ray is exactly. Not that picture that we mentioned before, but the actual ray that makes the picture possible. X-rays are like light. And simply put... Light is energy. The light we can see. And light that we can't see, like x-rays. They're both part of what is known as the electromagnetic spectrum. This also means that x-rays, as well as visible light, are also known as electromagnetic radiation. All these words, radiation, light, and energy, are describing the same thing. The electromagnetic spectrum is a range of energy that goes from radio waves on one end, that's the least energy, to the high energy gamma rays at the other end. So it goes from radio to microwave to infrared to visible light. Visible light is the only part that we can see with our eyes. To ultraviolet, to x-rays, and then gamma rays. Right. It would be useful to have a way to remember that. Like a mnemonic device, or... Or a song, like from our pals the Dino Birds. Radio, microwave, infrared, visible, ultraviolet, x-ray, gamma, yeah, here we go. Space between waves gets shorter and shorter. Electromagnetic spectrum, that's the order. Radio, microwave, infrared, visible, ultraviolet, x-ray, gamma. Microwave, infrared, visible, ultraviolet, x-ray, gamma. It's the electromagnetic spectrum. The electromagnetic spectrum. These are the facts we check them. The electromagnetic spectrum. Thanks, Dino Birds. So these different kinds of light or radiation have different energy levels. And that helps explain why x-rays can help us see inside of things that we can't see with our naked eye. To really understand, we're going to have to zoom in, way, way in, to an atom. Atoms make up everything. They're what our bodies are made of. The air. This desk. The trees outside. The water in this glass. You get it. Everything is made of atoms. Atoms are very, very tiny, a million times smaller than the width of a human hair, teensy tiny. 
and atoms are made up of even smaller subatomic particles like protons, neutrons, and electrons. And it's the electrons that are the star of this show. Why naturally? Hello, who's there? Oh, it's just me, an electron. I can give you an insider's look at how x-rays are made. Oh, let's hear it. Okay, this is a bumpy ride. I hope you got your seatbelt on. Let's start with the x-ray machine at your doctor's office. Inside that metal box is a filament, like the stuff that's in a light bulb. The filament heats up and gives off electrons, like me. Then us electrons are accelerated by high-voltage electricity. Once we're moving pretty fast, we smash into a piece of metal, like copper or tungsten. Pow! When that happens, we knock electrons off of the piece of metal's atoms. When this happens, energy is released in the form of an X-ray. Wow, thanks, Electron. Anytime. Okay, once the electrons have done their part to release the X-ray energy from the copper or tungsten metal, the X-ray machine focuses that energy into a beam that sends it out into the world. This high energy shoots right through soft tissue like your skin and organs. But it's absorbed by the heavier atoms, like the calcium that makes your bones, or my earrings, which are made out of metal. Once it passes through you, it strikes a film that makes a picture. That X-ray picture that you see is actually showing you the parts of the body where the x-rays couldn't pass because they were absorbed. That's why it shows your bones. So the image is sort of an absence of x-rays, kind of like how a shadow is an absence of visible light. Think of that picture of your bones like a shadow, but with x-rays instead of visible light. But when you get an x-ray at the dentist, you wear a lead apron to protect the rest of your body from the x-rays. This got Elijah wondering. Hi. My name is Elijah. I'm from Evanston, Illinois. My question is, why is radiation and x-rays bad for you? Remember, x-rays are part of the electromagnetic spectrum. Let's hear it again, but this time, faster. Radio, microwave, infrared, visible, ultraviolet, extra gamma, yeah, here we go, space between waves get shorter and shorter, electromagnetic spectrum, that's the order. Radio, microwave, infrared, visible, ultraviolet, extra gamma. Radio, microwave, infrared, visible, ultraviolet, extra gamma. We did it. We did it. That was not bad. Proud of us. All right. Now that we have the seven parts of the spectrum in mind, let's narrow the focus a bit. Radio, microwave, infrared, visible, and ultraviolet. Those are all considered non-ionizing. That means it doesn't have enough energy to pop off electrons from atoms like X-rays and gamma rays do. So the thing that makes X-rays possible is also the thing that makes them potentially dangerous. Physicist Mohammed Hamidian explains. A huge dose of X-rays, these can lead to things like burns and they can lead to even cancer because... When you pop electrons off, for example, you're changing the DNA in your body, and so those can cause mutations. But if you do it in very small doses, the chances of that are very little. And this ionizing radiation is actually used as a treatment for cancer. Using higher doses than they would to take an X-ray image, doctors use very targeted radiation to damage the cancer cells enough so they die. X-rays are commonly used in medical settings, but they're also used to help us see incredible tiny things and very massive ones. We'll get to that in just a bit, but first I have another use for your laser-sharp focus. It's time for the mystery sound. Here it is.
Any guesses? Maybe the sound of a dishwasher being shooken around. That's an excellent guess. We'll be back with the answer later in the show. Producers Mark Sanchez and Sandon Totten are going to debate again, but we need your help picking the matchup they're going to tackle. There are only a few days left to vote. Head to brainson.org and vote for your favorite. There are 10 to choose from, and at the moment that we're taping this episode, the top two are fire versus lasers and left brain versus right brain. But that could change. It is close. So head to brainson.org and vote. And while you're there, you can sign up for our newsletter, or listen to our past episodes. You can also email us anytime with your questions, mystery sounds, drawings, and high fives. The email address is brainson at m as in Minnesota, pr.org. Now it's time for the Brains Honor Roll. These are the kids who fuel the show with their energy and ideas. Gray and Shella from New York, Soul from Minneapolis, Leonora from L.A., Asher and Tegan from Dallas, Evelyn from Erdenheim, Pennsylvania, Nate and Luke from Morrisville, North Carolina, Stryker from Maple Grove, Minnesota, Calla from Singapore, Sahana from Santa Clara, California, Curtis from Wilmington, North Carolina, Joseph from Charlottesville, Virginia, Ella from Orange, California, Maya from Orlando, Zora from San Carlos, California, Ariana from Spring, Texas, Charlotte and Hazel from El Salvador, Delilah from Clarkstown, Mississippi, Anna from Kaohsiung, Taiwan, Elsa and Ida from Dakota. Cater, Georgia, Greta and Maya from Chicago, Danny from Parker, Colorado, Emma from Penn Valley, California, Shazia, Nyla and Hamsa from Abu Dhabi, Nectaria from Sydney, Australia, Charlie and George from Plymouth, Minnesota, Kaya from Corvallis, Oregon, Sophia, Aiden and Alicia from San Ramon, California, Natalie from Mesquite, Nevada, Grant and Piper from San Carlos, California, Jackson from Edmond, Oklahoma, Amina from Evanston, Illinois, Odin, Isaiah, Patch, Lydia, Elena, Gigi, Olive and Nadia of Northern Light Learning Center in Ithaca, New York, Oliver from Sterling Heights, Michigan, Everett from Lander, Wyoming, Jack and Oliver from Loveland, Colorado, Elijah from Evanston, Illinois, Ella from Cincinnati, Cameron from Parker, Colorado, Cody and Corinne from Ankeny, Iowa, Amy from Sacramento, Benton from New Orleans, Charlotte, Beatrice, Nicholas, and Agnes from Ruleson, Colorado, Axel from Mayville, North Dakota, Ryan and Maddie from Minneapolis, Audrey from Seattle, Malcolm, Mora, Maeve, and McKaylee from Norfolk, England, and Daniel from Heidelberg, Germany. You're listening to Watinu Isek. That's Brains on Inuita. I'm Frankie Brown Eagle. And I'm Molly Bloom. You and your uncle translated Brains on into Nuita. And where did you say that was spoken? It was from Mandan in North Dakota in the Fort Berthold Indian Reservation. Do you speak that language? I'm learning it, actually. I'm trying to become what my uncle says. The people who make the language survive. Well, that is very, very cool. And I know we have listeners all over the world. So if you would like to record yourself saying brains on in a language besides English, we would love to hear it. Send your recordings to brains on at m as in Minnesota, pr.org. Now let's get back to x-rays. We know how x-rays help us see our bones, but they're used for a lot more than just that. Okay, dino birds, one more time with the electromagnetic spectrum, please. Yeah, and this time extra fast. Radio, microwave, infrared, visible, ultraviolet, x-ray, gamma, yeah, here we go, space between waves gets shorter and shorter, electromagnetic spectrum, that's aortic. Radio, microwave, infrared, visible, ultraviolet, x-ray, gamma. Radio, microwave, infrared, visible, ultraviolet, x-ray, gamma. 
Impressive. Impressive indeed. And just like there's a spectrum of radiation, there's also a spectrum of different energies within each of those categories. There are higher energy x-rays and lower energy x-rays. There are some very cool machines making more powerful x-rays than the ones in your doctor's office. Like the ones at the Slack National Accelerator Laboratory, where Alan Fry is the director of laser science and technology. Rather than just slamming electrons into a piece of metal, you can set up magnets that cause the electrons to wiggle. And when electrons wiggle, they give off energy. And again, some of that energy is in the form of electromagnetic radiation. Scientists do this in a very directed way to produce very uh, precisely defined beams of x-rays. One machine they use is called a synchrotron. The electrons go around in a circular ring, and there are magnets that cause the electrons to bend. Each time they bend, they give off x-rays, and depending on how much energy the electrons have, we can change the energy of the x-rays. Using x-rays like this allows you to get a look at something that would otherwise be impossible to see. A good example of this is the proteins that are involved in photosynthesis. Photosynthesis is the process where plants absorb energy from the sun, and they use it to break apart water molecules, which releases oxygen, and it also releases energy. And that's how plants harvest energy from the sun. But this process happens incredibly fast. The photosynthesis process is actually relatively slow. It takes place in a time frame that's about one millionth of a second. Chemical reactions, for example, breaking the bond of a molecule, those processes take place in a time frame that's called a femtosecond. Put another way, one femtosecond is to one minute, as one minute is to the age of the entire universe. Whoa! Our x-rays can produce little pulses of photons that only last for a few femtoseconds. It's a little bit like we've got a flash photograph camera. Even though the technology has improved drastically, the idea of using x-rays to understand the molecular structure of our bodies and the world around us is over 100 years old. Georgina Ferry is a science journalist. She wrote a biography of Dorothy Hodgkin, one of the pioneers of this field. If you think about engineering and you think of your body as a machine, uh, when you make an automobile or an airplane, you, you have to know how all the parts fit together in order to understand how they work. And our bodies are full of molecules, all with special jobs to do. uh, And they do those special jobs by fitting together in very particular ways. And what X-ray crystallography allows you to do is to find out what the shapes of all those molecules are so that you can start to understand how they fit together. And in the case of the, the molecules in our bodies, for instance, you can start to maybe design new drugs because they'll fit into a particular space on one of these molecules that we have inside us. The technique of X-ray crystallography was discovered in 1912. The basic idea is that you take something very small, like a part of a cell, and make a crystal out of it. Then you shine an X-ray on the crystal. If you fire a beam of X-rays into a crystal that you've made in that way, it scatters the X-ray, and if you then catch those scattered X-rays on a film, you get a pattern of spots. And the pattern of spots can tell you where all the atoms are in the molecule. And so you can calculate what the inside of that molecule looks like. Before computers, this process took a long time. What you had to do was 
calculate how intense those spots were. And the only way to do that to, in the early days was to have a, a kind of reference set of spots of different brightnesses. And you'd hold your set of reference spots up against the picture and say, is that a darker one or a lighter one? And, and you'd make a note of that. Early computers of 1950s made it easier to calculate, but the process was still long. It took Dorothy Hodgkin three years to figure out the structure of penicillin, seven years for vitamin B12, and 35 years for insulin, which she finally cracked in 1969. Today, powerful computers make the process much faster. Well, what tends to take a long time now is things like getting the crystal in the first place. We have a lot of uh, very interesting but complicated protein molecules that sit on the surfaces of our cells and act like little gateways. And because they like to live in a membrane, it's very difficult to get them out. There are still many molecules that we, we don't know the structures of, and lots of people all around the world are still working very hard to discover the structures of those molecules. One of the people using x-rays to study molecules is Hao Wu. In her Harvard lab, she uses x-ray crystallography to study the immune system. So when I first saw these crystals, I was like, oh my God, how can I touch this? You know, I feel like it's so fragile that I'm going to break it because they're just so beautiful. I, I didn't want to destroy them. The crystals she works with are incredibly tiny. You can't see them with the naked eye. It does take some dexterity, actually, to, to handle your crystals. But it's, it's really amazing once you're able to look at the diffraction pattern out of those crystals and thinking that, you know, those patterns tells you exactly the molecular arrangement of your protein. So X-ray crystallography is used to help us understand the mysteries at the smallest atomic level. But X-rays are also used to help us understand mysteries on a very different scale. The mysteries of the universe. I talked with Dr. Belinda Wilkes. She is the director of NASA's Chandra X-ray Observatory. What is X-ray astronomy? Uh, X-ray astronomy is the study of X-ray emission from celestial sources. It's nothing to do with, with medical X-rays, although one of the principles is very important, and that is medical X-rays are used because the X-rays penetrate your body, and X-rays coming from sources out in the universe are actually very useful for seeing all the way into the center of those sources. In terms of the X-rays from the celestial sources, like stars and black holes, um, we can see right into the core of those sources with the X-rays, because the X-rays come all the way out, and they, the other material around, sort of similar to the skin in your arm, but is, is dust and gas, and that does not stop the X-rays. They still come out. So we can, we can see X-rays from things that are buried in huge amounts of material, we cannot see the visible light from those sources, but we can see the x-rays. So it's very helpful for us to look in the x-rays and find things that we couldn't see otherwise. That's one thing. Another thing is that the sources that give us x-rays are actually the hottest and most violent places in the universe. That's how the x-rays are produced. So for example, when a star dies and goes supernova, the first thing we see is x-ray emission. If black holes don't emit light, how can you see the x-rays then? Yes, actually, that, that's a very good question. We don't see the black holes themselves. What we see is a lot of material around the black holes that is trying to fall in, because a black hole is very big and massive. It's small in, in size, but it's big in terms of the amount of mass. So it has a very strong gravitational force. 
The gravitational force is what keeps us on the Earth. If we jump up, we come back down. Well, for a black hole, that force is much, much stronger. So it pulls in everything around it. So all the gas and the material and some of the stars in the galaxy in which it sits get pulled down into the black hole. And because they're all trying to go in there at the same time, the material gets very hot. And that gives us x-rays. So we can see quite close to the black hole, but at some point, we, we cannot see beyond what's called the event horizon of the black hole, which is the definition of how big it is. How far can x-rays reach? Uh, we can see x-rays coming from the most distant things in the universe, so right to the edge of the universe. Some of them actually get to us. They, they are emitted by material around a, a very big black hole, what we call a supermassive black hole, right close to the beginning of the universe. When we look at Things that are further away, we're actually looking back in time as well. And that light can reach us so that we can learn about the first black holes that were ever born in the universe through looking at them in X-ray light. <coughs> okay, let's hear that mystery sound one more time. Any new guesses? Maybe it's in space being thrown around. That's good, because it is, it is related to x-rays in some way. Any other thoughts? Maybe it could be the galaxy x-rays that make special sounds when, you, when they pass by. That is an excellent guess. Here's the answer. That was the sound of peeling scotch tape. What? I know, right? So you were wrong, but does it sound familiar to you now that you know what it was? Yes. So here to tell us how scotch tape relates to x-rays is producer Mark Sanchez. Hi, Mark. Hi there. So what does scotch tape have to do with x-rays? Well, it starts with this guy. Hello, my name is Carlos Camara. I am uh, the chief scientist at Tribogenics, a company that I co-founded about six years ago to develop x-rays from triboluminescence. What is triboluminescence? Yeah. Well, triboluminescence is the emission of light from friction, or rubbing two materials together. Back in 2008, Carlos was studying triboluminescence with a bunch of materials that are known to give off visible light. That's the light we can see. So for his experiment, in order to see the light, it had to be extremely dark. Picture this. Carlos is down in the basement of his lab at UCLA. It's pitch black. He basically has to feel his way around with his hands. One of the other materials that he was working with was called mica, which is a flat, flaky mineral. The layers of mica are often stacked on top of each other, like the pages of a book. There have been reports from Russian scientists claiming that crushing mica in a vacuum would not only make visible light, but would also make x-rays. We became very interested on this because the difference between visible light and x-rays is a factor of about 10,000. That's a 10,000-volt difference in energy when you crush mica in a vacuum. And before you ask, he's talking about a vacuum chamber. Not the kind of vacuum you use to clean a carpet. Right. That's what I was thinking. See? Well, a vacuum chamber is a space that is completely void of matter. 
So this mica exists all by itself. So I had a roll of scotch tape amongst all the other materials and tools that I had in front of me, and I'm feeling around with my hands because it's completely dark. And as I peel the roll of scotch tape, I see that it makes more light than anything else that I'm trying. So Carlos and his team of researchers did what any curious scientist does. We naturally decided to take the roll of scotch tape, put it in a vacuum chamber, and sure enough, it made more x-rays than anything else we had tried. Remember how exciting atoms can make them release electrons and x-rays? The same thing is happening here with scotch tape. Carlos and the other researchers were actually able to use a few pieces of tape to take a crude x-ray picture of a finger. Once they did this, pieces of a puzzle started to fall into place. In particular, we discovered that not simply unsticking a roll of tape would make x-rays, but if you had the right materials, you can have simply two rollers rotating against each other making x-rays. So at that point, it became clear to us that there was a possibility of actual useful applications of this very simple effect. Our first product is an x-ray fluorescence analyzer. It's an instrument that can basically tell you what material you're looking at, and it tells you the composition. The device is this little boxy thing with a handle. It looks similar to a radar gun, if you've ever seen one of those. And when you squeeze the trigger, it emits a burst of X-ray light. Every element has a unique X-ray energy fingerprint. And the way it works is that if you shoot X-rays at a material, you can excite the electrons of the material in the X-ray energy. And so the X-rays that glow back at you from the material uniquely identify what atoms are present. But what Carlos is really excited about is the possibilities for portable X-rays. His team is developing a portable X-ray device that is about the size of a soda can. In comparison, the most portable sources that would get the similar job done currently available are much, much larger and heavier, about the size of a small oven. So imagine in disaster relief. So there's an earthquake or tsunami somewhere, lots of people in need of medical attention. Imagine if you had a briefcase that could be just as good as an x-ray medical suite that you have in the hospital. It's not totally 100% as good as a hospital, but Carlos thinks that you could be on the ground with these suitcase x-ray machines, basically carrying the room of a hospital in one hand. And if you guys want to see tribal luminescence in action, Carlos gave me a couple of really cool experiments you can try at your very own home. One is the scotch tape method he used, and the other involves candy. Specifically, wintergreen candy, like Lifesavers. First off, you need to find a really dark space, maybe a closet, some place where there's as little light as possible. Take either the tape or the wintergreen Lifesavers into the space and let your eyes get used to the dark. This might take about four or five minutes, but be patient because it's worth it. If you unspool the tape, you should see a faint blue glow coming from where the sticky part leaves the rest of the roll. And the Lifesavers, they are gonna glow green. You can either chew them with your mouth, open, I guess, or you can put them in a plastic sandwich bag and crush them with pliers. And there you have it, tribal luminescence. That's amazing. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. 
X-rays are radiation. Or light. Or energy. A part of the electromagnetic spectrum. These high energy rays can penetrate tissue and allow us to see our bones. And they can also help us understand the structures of the smallest proteins and molecules through X-ray crystallography. And by picking up X-rays from space, we can learn a lot about the universe. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Brains On is produced by Mark Sanchez, Sandin Tondin, and Molly Bloom. Many thanks to Ga Vang, Vincent Moniz, Megan Trinan, Carol Zoll, Vahan Baladuni, and Andrew Gordon. If you're a fan of Brains On, consider leaving a review in iTunes. It really helps other kids and parents find out about the show. And you can keep up with us on Instagram and Twitter. We're at Brains underscore on. And we're on Facebook, too. And remember to head to brainson.org to vote for the debate you want Mark and Sandin to tackle. Thanks for listening.